So it's been a month at least since there was a chocolate beef chest. I did a Ninja News Japan last week, and that was after I came back. Now the reason there was a long the reason there was a month long break was that one month ago I got COVID. So that's basically the story. I've also kind of messed up, so I'm wearing the Steven Seagal shirt of shame because I have my notebook full of notes. I had notes for Ninja News Japan, and I had notes for C McBee today. I was actually going to do two topics, and now I'm just going to do one because I'm just trying to get stuff back in order. Uh, I left that at work. It was in my bag, and I took it out of my bag, and it's, it's, it's a notebook like every other notebook I have, and I think I just left it on my desk. So there's not going to be an Engineers Japan this week. I'm going to double up again next week with two sets of notes. And then hopefully then, everything will be back on track. It's been hard to get everything back on track. So the story I'm going to do today is just my adventure getting COVID, going into isolation, then immediately going to Canada afterwards and all the things that kind of they're in. It is a tale of warning for other people of how hard it can be to just do stuff. So previous to this, one month ago, I actually had a very interesting business trip coming up in Tokyo. And I was kind of excited and reticent about doing it. I was excited because it was a thing I had made and I was going to do it. And I was kind of really interested in doing it. I was a little bit afraid because Tokyo being Tokyo, it's the epicenter of COVID in Japan. And I was like, ah, I want to go and do this thing, but I actually don't want to go to Tokyo because I don't want to get COVID. Well, not a concern because I got COVID before that anyways. Now, I had triple vaccines. If you've listened to any Ninja News Japan, if you've listened to any, any C. McBee, probably more on Ninja News Japan, I actually talk about uh, COVID numbers and stuff. So then you'll end up getting my opinion in that vaccines are good and, and, and COVID is a real thing. Is a surprisingly weird argument to have to have. So my experience first was I was out on a Sunday with my wife and my son. And we were looking for a present for me to take to Canada. Because two weeks later, I was actually going to go to Canada with my daughter. It was the first trip with just me and her. I was kind of excited about that. And it was hot because Japan's hot. In the summer, people don't, I think, realize how hot Japan gets in the summer. It is almost tropical. So it's like 40 degrees, and I'm hot. And being, I was born in Ireland, I was designed to be in the fog and moist all the time. So this heat, it does stuff to me that I am not ready for. It doesn't matter how long I've like acclimatized, I'm never really going to acclimatize to Japan's summer heat and humidity. So I think, oh, wow, I'm really hot. I've been hot all day. So I'm drinking water. And then we get home and I'm sitting in an air-conditioned room. I'm like, I'm not cooling down. I might have a fever. So I, I was like, oh, shit, maybe I have COVID. So I took an antigen test. We have the home antigen tests. We have a bunch of them sitting around. And it was negative. I was like, okay, so I am just still hot or something. So I'll go to bed. Went to bed, wake up the next day, still fevered. I was like, ah, oh, god damn it. Did another antigen test, was positive. So I immediately messaged my wife, who I was sharing the bottle of water with, to tell her I have COVID. It is very likely by the end of today she is going to have COVID. We set up a PCR test for me to go and get confirmation that, yes, I actually do have COVID. Not a big surprise. 
So that's the first basically two days. I have gone. The problem we have is that there are four people in my household. There's myself, my wife, and the two children mentioned previously. I have COVID. My wife have co- has COVID. I have clearly given it to her via the saliva I have spread all over the, the bottle that she has ingested from. That night, she starts to get a fever. She has COVID too. We don't want to give it to the kids. We're trying to be really, really careful. They're on summer break, so they're in the house the whole time. We don't want to send the kids to like their grandparents' house because if they have picked up COVID, they may have, they may give it to the grandparents, and we might be inadvertently responsible for killing our own, my parents-in-law. So they're staying in the house with two people who have COVID, so my wife is like, we have to go into isolation. Isolation in Japan is a very interesting thing. They have what are called uh, like business hotels. Now, these are not hotels really designed for comfort. You come in, there's the room. The room is primarily the size of a a fairly large bed. It's not a small bed. Uh, There is a giant TV on the wall. So you're meant to actually not even like sit at a desk. You sit in the bed and you watch the TV. The first thing I noticed is that the, the mattress on the bed had a dip in the middle where everyone sat in this exact same place to watch TV. Uh, that's irrelevant. We haven't actually gotten into isolation yet. So I'm like, I don't want to go into isolation because I'm actually getting better. Because I'd been triple vaxxed, I have to honestly say COVID wasn't that bad for me. Now, I don't want to minimize the impact of COVID. I don't want to minimize how dangerous it can be. I think if you have all your vaccines, it's very manageable. So I had a fever. I had a little bit of the sort of the joint pain that comes with fever. Uh, I had a cough, but it wasn't even like a strong cough. I was sweaty, gross, took a shower, felt way better. But yes, I was sick. And I didn't know how long I was going to be communicable for. And I didn't want to give it to the kids. The kids were the primary concern. I already had it. I was already a lost cause. My wife already had it. She was a lost cause. So I'm getting put into isolation first. I get these call from a Japanese man and it's a taxi service and they're going to take me to the uh, business hotel. So I'm getting this phone call in Japanese. Now I'm a foreigner. My Japanese is fine. It's not, I wouldn't say good, but it's fine. I can communicate. And he kept saying, go to the big road near your house. And I was like, the problem is there's two big roads. And big roads is kind of like a concept in your head. It's not necessarily a good descriptor if there are multiple big roads in the area. I live in this area, so I know where all the big roads are. So I said, look, there's a convenience store. Meet me there. He goes, okay, I'm on the big road that the convenience store is on. But now I'm confused. I'm actually standing in the summer heat with a fever looking for a taxi. I'm like, he calls me back again. He's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in the parking lot of the convenience store. Now he has decided he's not moving. It is my job to get to him. So I'm walking, honestly, there's the block where my house is. I'm walking around the block where he isn't to my house, to the convenience store and back again. And then I'm like, okay, there's only one place I haven't been. So I walk up and I see this taxi and he's clearly pissed off. Uh, But I would say that his communication ability was poor and he knew where my house was. He could have actually just pulled around and picked me up at the house. He knew where the convenience store was for sure. I would have been the only foreign person standing with a backpack in the convenience store. So to me, it would have been like, go to the convenience store, pick me up. That's fine. Now there was one other 
at the moment current COVID sufferer in the back. Now I was now in such bad shape because I've been, I have a fever, I'm standing in the heat and I get in this car. I didn't even notice the person sitting behind me. So they're stacking COVID positive people in this taxi. He has a plastic sheet taped to, from the roof to the floor as a barrier between him and the passengers. Now you want someone who is either reckless or incredibly confident. This taxi driver who was clearly ferrying COVID positive people all day, at least that day, I don't know about every day, wasn't wearing a mask. And I found that fascinating because he knows I have COVID. He knows the guy sitting behind me has COVID. I'm trying not to cough. The guy behind me trying not to cough. It's, it was, I was just staring at him going like, how can you sit in this car that is now at this point a cloud of COVID behind you and not even bother to wear a mask? He may have been immune. Maybe he's been exposed so much that he's actually immune to COVID now. Maybe that's the actual answer. I don't know. But I was just, I could not, not I could not focus on anything else. I'm like, this guy, he's not wearing a mask. I am not the only person that could. So he's taken at least two people. And I'm not the first trip of the day. I'm probably like three or four in. He's probably got three or four more before the end of the day. This dude is insane. But then we get to the, the uh, business hotel. So most big train stations in, in my town, there is a Shinkansen station. So those are actually pretty big. Uh, they have usually one or two hotels, these business hotels. So I get ferried into it. They check my name. I go up. I, you have to go directly up to the floor and you go into the room. I was on the fifth or sixth floor. And then they put you in the room and they're like, you cannot come out of this room for X amount of days. So for me, it was like seven days and I can't come out of the room. They're going to bing bong every morning and say, we're about to put food outside and don't go outside until we say it's ready to go. Uh, then they put the food outside your door and then you get another bing bong. It's over in like a, a speaker and announcement system. Then you can open your door and grab your food and bring it in. That's going to happen three times a day. You get bentos. I brought cookies. You can bring food with you. But I didn't know how much to bring. So I basically just brought snacks and cookies. I thought, oh, this would be a good time to, you know, diet properly. Uh, so then I'm looking at the room. Now the room is, if you imagine a square, it's about 75% taken up by a bed. That is, you know, a large rectangle. The rest of the room is taken up by a smaller room that is the bathroom shower combo. Now this actually had me very worried. My first apartment in Japan had a shower bathtub combo and these are really just tubs and they're fine they're functional but they're not comfortable in any way now the problem is i am 184 centimeters tall the bath in my first apartment the shower combo thing was 180 centimeters which meant if i was going to stand in it i would have to like jack my head to one side or the other or lean forward if i wanted to wash my hair i had to do like a solid squat for however much time i wanted and the shower hit me square in the chest because the actual shower head was sort of at my chin level this one was way better than that so that's good i also in my first apartment could not sit down in the bathtub because it was too small like i couldn't squish my body small enough to actually sit in the bathtub uh, this one was way better than that. I could actually sit in the bathtub comfortably and because it was it's not long, it's deep. So if you sit with your legs up, uh, it would actually go up to my shoulders. So I could be completely immersed in water, which was actually very comfortable. I could take a shower comfortably. 
Uh, it had these pump action things that had like shampoo, conditioner, and soap. That was great. They told you what to bring with you. You had to bring toothbrush, like all a lot of personal items. And then they said what you were allowed. It said multiple times, every page of paper that had instructions of anything about the isolation thing system in Japan said, do not bring alcohol. You cannot drink while you are sick. That was interesting because clearly some people had taken this as the only real holiday they're going to get where they're not going to get bugged by anyone and they're just going to drink for three or four days straight. And I was still actually sick, so that didn't appeal to me. But by the end, it actually kind of would have been quite fun to just drink hours and hours of the day. So the first problem is, since you're not allowed to leave the room, you actually have no way to wash your clothes. So you have to wash your clothes in the bathtub. And they actually tell you this. So you have to bring detergent uh, and then you have to kind of do the old-fashioned scrub your clothes and whisk them around with your arm in the bathtub. And you're not getting particularly sweaty or dirty, but I, you do feel gross wearing the same clothes over and over and over again. Or at least I do. You should as well. If you don't, that is a separate issue. You're not clean enough. So problem one, not that bad, but problem two, there's nowhere to hang up the clothes. Like you'd be like, oh, well, they have a hanger, but that's actually in the front corner behind the door in this little shaded area, and it's going to drip on the floor. Uh, and then I have a towel that I'm using every day because I'm taking a shower or taking a bath every day. And I was like, oh, should I have to hang up the towel. So I was hanging the towel on the curtains. They didn't have any bars. So if I had a, a coat hanger, I couldn't actually put something on the coat hanger to hang it up, except that, again, that little corner where it's not going to dry. So I was hanging stuff. The coat hanger was hanging on the curtains themselves and then putting the towel on that so that it would be getting the direct sunlight from outside. That was actually fairly effective, but I could only hang one or two, things, two or three things at a time before I was risking pulling down the curtains, which, of course, would be damage that I would have to pay for. So I can stay clean. The bed is relatively comfortable, but I can feel that dip where everyone's sitting in the same place. So I'm like, I'll do, I'll try. This isn't going to really work, but I'll try it. Because again, I have nothing but time now. So I flipped over the mattress, which was actually incredibly hard because there's no space. The space between the bed and the desk, which is actually attached to the wall, was the size of my hips. So I couldn't really turn quickly without expecting to hit something. I couldn't do stuff. I could not move in the room. I could pace. So the first day I basically just sleep and then I uh, I was going to bring my laptop and try to do some work. But my wife was going into isolation the next day and she's like, I have actual work to do, not fun hobby work. So I'm going to take the laptop. I couldn't really argue with her. So I packed the PlayStation saying, well, if I'm not going to be able to do any work, I might as well have entertainment. They do have the big TV with the movies and the movies are free. But, of course, they only have about 12 movies. If you're in isolation for seven days, you have seven days to fill. And the same movies aren't going to do it. I watched uh, Spider-Man No Way Home two times, I think, that week. Uh, I tried to watch some other stuff, but I basically just wasn't that interested. So the movie selection wasn't great. And I was actually going to put a lot of TV and movies on the computer, and then I was going to hook the computer into the TV, and then I could actually watch stuff I actually wanted to watch. That didn't work out because my wife took the laptop. No problem. She needed something as well. So I had the PlayStation. She wasn't going to play video games. She's not into that. So I thought, okay, this is actually a good opportunity for me. Just get some of these stupidly long games and just barrel through them and that'll distract me. So I sat down and then the first thing you have to do is actually like check into this app. And I've now after this whole in, endeavor, 
gotten a bit tired of apps, which is a very old man thing to say. But the app is you have to log your blood pressure, your blood oxygen level, your pulse, and your temperature. So they leave you a thermometer and this little device you put on your finger, which checks your blood oxygen level and your pulse. Now, this became an interesting thing because I kept filling it in. And then I would get a call immediately after. And I assume that was normal. I think it actually is. I think they do call and check like your numbers are right. I have very low blood pressure and I tend to have a very low pulse. Now that's good, except I have, my blood pressure is too low. I've had health checks where I go and they're like, whoa, are you okay? And I'm like, look, you told me not to eat today. So I haven't had any food. And then you just drew blood. My low blood pressure is now like bordering on unconscious level blood pressure. So it's it's low on on a normal day. I have been doing nothing but laying in bed and then playing video games. So my blood pressure and my pulse, like this, I'm like iguana level heartbeat at this point. Uh, There's no predators around, so I'm safe. So I'm about as relaxed as I can be because the second day of the fever, the third day is when I went in, the third day is when the fever started to break. Like I was actually on the mend, I was getting better when I went into isolation, which I actually assume I was communicable, but I wasn't coughing or anything and I wasn't in bad shape. I actually bet I was safer than the day before. Of course, this is not particularly critical of this system because it's going to take you a day to get stuff organized. It's going to take you a couple of days to get the person into the thing. So I think that's actually very reasonable. I think the problem was by the time I went into isolation, I actually don't think I needed isolation anymore, but I'm not a doctor. And this was sort of the issue I have with a lot of the anti-vaxxers and stuff. They tend to be people who do their own research, but they're arguing with people who've done nothing but research viruses and vaccines for their whole life. So I'm in this place and I'm going to be there. And so the first day, I'm kind of in there around lunchtime and whatever. So I set up the PlayStation and it works because it's just HDMI cable. I just pull out their HDMI cable, which isn't connected to a little box, which is how they stream everything to the TV. Um, Fine. No damage done. Great. Set up the PlayStation. It's beautiful. This big, giant, high resolution TV. It's better than the monitor I use at home. I I get the game uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 and I start playing that. And I play that for the afternoon. Now, I am not of the age where I play you know, five, six hour game sessions anymore. I do about two hours and then I'm like, I think it's time to do something else now. So I played that. That's the first day I have dinner. I eat some cookies because I brought some cookies with me and then I go to bed. And then the next day I'm like, ah, oh, I can't, this is not sustainable. This is not how I can live. I need to do more than one thing. So I was like, well, you know what I'm going to do all morning is read the news because that's Ninja News Japan comes from the fact that I read the news so much anyways i have my articles and stuff all on my phone so i get up and i start reading my phone because i don't want to sit for 12 13 hours a day and then sleep for x amount of hours a day uh, and then just follow that pattern this is ridiculous so i'm standing and reading and then i was like you know what i can at least move around so i start pacing and reading so for three hours in the morning it was breakfast and then lunch for three hours in the morning i am literally just pacing up and down this incredibly tiny Uh, not even hallway, but space in between the bed and the wall, just reading on my phone. And that's what I do all morning. And then I get lunch and then I'm like, okay, now it's afternoon, it's video game time. It takes about 25, 30 hours to play the main game of a Yakuza game. 
that's not that's, that's long but not very long for this type of game uh, usually I think it takes me a month to complete one because I'm playing one to two hours a day uh, I like to do a lot of the side stuff the side stuff in those games is actually the best part so I yeah I really enjoyed it but I was burning through like content like never before because there's nothing else to do and at least I had chosen the right game because this is one of those things it's open world but it's and it's got a lot of distractions lots of side stories and so it was always like weird stuff happening all the time so I think that was the right choice so I played that and that lasted me for days and basically all my symptoms were gone the fever was gone I was still taking medication for the first few days the they call you up and the nurses would say, oh, you're not supposed to take any medication. You're not supposed to take any headache medicine or everything like that. I'm like, yeah, okay, but I have a headache, so I'm going to take it. But it's because they want it to, they want to know if your fever is actually gone. So they don't want you to taking medication to minimize the fever. And then you say you're fine and then you actually have to go out. But I was talking about blood pressure before. Sorry, I, this is, again, I don't have my notes. So I'm actually going off memory. So I'm kind of trying to go in order. About two or three days in, uh, again, I'm very relaxed. I have no stress. I have no heartbeat. I'm beat like my heartbeat's like once every minute or something. I f- put in my information and I get the phone call. The phone rings. She goes, "Yeah, yeah, about your numbers." And I'm like, "Yeah, my uh, that's what the that's what the little machine said." She goes, "Yeah, if uh, if they're that low, we have to take you to the hospital." And so this was not a case of are you sick or are we concerned about your health. This is like. You need to check again so we get the right number so we don't have to take you to the hospital to get you checked out. So I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, my number is 77. I took it again and I go, oh, well, it's like 78, 79. She's like, yeah, it needs to be above 80 for us to not take you to the hospital. Can you check again? And I didn't even check and I went, oh, look at that. It's 81. And so then I realized what I was getting was guidance to make sure I could get out on time and not have to go to the hospital. Because they were asking questions, but they weren't like checking. So they were asking questions that were very pointed with a very specific answer so that I could answer it properly so that I could get out of there. And this, by this time, I'm fine. I had a, a low-key cough. This is one of those ones where you wake up in the morning and you cough a little bit and then a couple random points throughout the morning you would cough and then a couple random points throughout the afternoon. It wasn't like a constant like, ha, ha, ha. But all day, every hour or two, I would go, <coughs> And that was whatever was left over, like phlegm and stuff. That was the only symptom I had left. And then we get to like day four. And I finished Yakuza Kiwami. Again, a game that normally takes me a month to complete, I finished in four days. Uh, Luckily, I had a second game with me that also was quite long uh, that I finished that in two days, Devil May Cry 5. I played it on easy, though, so I don't know if that really counts, but I just wanted to play the game. I didn't actually want to, like, challenge myself. I forget the point I was just about to make. This is why you need notes. Even if it's not scripted, you do need notes so you follow a logical pattern. Ah, I ran out of cookies. (laughs) So we're getting to the end of my time in isolation. And, you know, I'm able to message my wife downstairs. I'm talking to my friends. I'm not having a bad time, but I would like to go outside. But I've run out of snacks. And I didn't want to be... The problem is I didn't want to be sitting there eating snacks all day, every day. That's actually a concern. So if you bring too many snacks, you're going to do nothing. Because you're bored, so you're going to eat whatever in front of you. And I didn't want to end up getting fat there or gaining weight or anything like that going into isolation because I was bored. 
you are allowed to order like food from Amazon. You're not allowed to, no alcohol. They were very specific about that as well. No, you can't bring alcohol into the hotel. You are allowed to order food from Amazon or like delivery services and they can bring it to you. But I was like, ah, if I do that now, again, I'm going to order like another bag, two bags of cookies and eat the whole bag in a day because it's going to be that available. So I was like, I'm not going to do it. I was really torn up about losing all my cookies. I ate my cookies too quickly. I didn't ration them properly. So if you're ever stuck on a desert island with me, I probably should not be in charge of rationing because I'll do like ration the first four or five days and then be like, well, fuck it, let's just eat the rest because we're going to die here anyway. So we might as well have a good time on our last day. But then we don't die. That's the problem. If you have a party and then actually die, great. But if you don't die, you still have to survive in misery, which is what I was doing. Um... Then they arranged for pickup and I was actually really happy to get out of there because it was just, it was isolation. It wasn't that bad. It was, I think, again, if I think if I had my computer and stuff I could do, I think I would have been really productive by the end of it because I would have had so much free time. But this was the issue that I ran into. I had all these plans and things I wanted to do leading up to my summer vacation where I went to Canada and I couldn't do any of them. So that, that actually took away an element of you know, I feel good when I'm productive. I could not feel good. So then I have to start getting ready to go to Canada because I'm going to get out of isolation. I'm going to have two days and then I'm going to get on an airplane, go to Canada with my daughter. And of course, this is still pandemic. So pandemic times means there's a lot of other stuff to do. So I have to have my um, vaccination information for the Canadian Border Patrol. I have to have it like, for immigration and stuff. Uh, they have an app called ArriveCan. So I was looking up that. What do I need? And you put all this stuff into ArriveCan and it gets pre-approved and you can get through more easily. That's technically fine, but every time I was reading the website to try to learn about what I needed, it would say if or maybe. And I really think the government should not be dealing in if, but they do want to give the immigration guard or person, the immigration officer, the ability to turn people away. So if I have paper A, B, C, D, and yet still I'm really sketchy, they want to keep them, uh, give, keep that sort of reserve that ability for them to say, no, you can't come into the country. But that set me off on this like, really stressed out thing because once I got COVID I was like we should cancel the tickets but it's been it's too late it's too close if we cancel the tickets now we got to pay for them the price of tickets so we paid three thousand dollars about for two people to go to and from Canada so it's a return trip a week later that price had almost tripled because I guess everyone decided it was okay to travel now so they all started traveling uh, it was like literally $9,000 for two people to travel. So if we cancel and then change our mind, uh, not only have we lost that money, we're now paying three times more. There was this weird pressure to keep going because this is my family and my parents are old and they're not only going to see the kids so many more times and my son couldn't go, but my daughter could, so I would really be disappointing my daughter. All this stuff was sort of flowing around. But what was bugging me most was like, all my documentation was in Japanese. They needed to be translated by, an, they needed an official translation. So I went online and found a translation service that was actually very good, that was officially notarized in whatever country you needed. They would actually like go and they would translate your documents and then they would find a person in the country that you were going to who's notarized so it couldn't be denied by the government. This was the bit I was really stuck on. And I got a translation of my vaccine information and all these other documents uh, 
like that day cost me like 100, 200 bucks. But at that point, you're just like, I'm trying to just make sure I can get through the border really quickly. But I'm also worried that, you know, I've just had COVID. Uh, get out. I have a couple days to pack. I'm panicking because I haven't, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Uh, is this form correct? Is that form correct? There's no way to check any of this stuff. It's actually all very simple. But because of the if on the government's official website, I didn't know if it was ever going to be good enough. Uh, so I wanted to make sure I had basically had too much so that they tried to argue with me. I could throw more papers at them, more official documents, more stamps. This is notarized by your government, no less. So screw you. Everything I spent money on was completely unnecessary. There's like an official form. It has a QR code. That's enough. I didn't know that. So I filled out ArriveCan. It said all the stuff was good. Uh, you get a QR code in that. JAL, so the Japan Airlines, has their own app called Verify. You have to do all that shit again for them. They're sort of making sure that your information is correct for the country you're going to. But you've already done the app, which is sort of pre-approval. So that didn't actually make sense. But it was, again, it was just one more like stress. Uh, we were all making fun of the name Verify. Someone really, like Arrive Can, arriving in Canada, that was something. Uh, but the person who came up with Verify... I mean, they went home and just like masturbated themselves to death with how smart they are that night. So that that so there were two apps that served the exact same function, and I, I did them both, and they both said everything was okay. But you don't know. Uh, I get on the airplane and we start flying, and everything seems to be okay. Uh, we get to Canada, and I get to immigration control. I think the woman thought I was kidnapping my daughter because it was a man traveling with a, a little girl. Um, which is supposed to be suspicious. Now, there is a document you can get signed by your spouse that you're supposed to carry with you. In all the panic about corona and vaccines and stuff, I'd actually forgotten that. We actually have it on my computer. We just print it out and you have to sign it. I forgot to do that. I knew I'd be able to call my wife and just get verification or whatever. But, what you know, we were in that spot where I just, I was like, oh, shit, if she asks, I actually don't have the proof that I'm not kidnapping my daughter. So she was, she was asking me questions. I'm exhausted. We've just done the 20 hours travel time. We still have one more flight to catch. Uh, it is, I'm just wrecked. So I'm not answering the questions very well. So I'm see, seeming pretty suspicious. Then she says she wants to ask my daughter some questions. So I push my daughter up front. I go, look, English isn't her first language. Uh, so this might be difficult for her. But then I look at her, I go, just try, just try, just answer the question. She asked her like two questions. My daughter's clearly at ease with traveling with me. There doesn't seem to be any stress. The lady's attitude changes completely. She starts talking about animals that you can't, you can see in Canada that you can't see in Japan, that kind of stuff. And then she's like, great, on your way. She looked at the QR code. She didn't check it. She didn't put it in anything. She just looked that there was a QR code. And then waved me through. So we get on to my parents' house, which is another flight, another so another like hour, two hour wait, and then another mini flight, and then we get on, we get back, and okay, we're we're good. I'm staying not at my parents' house. I'm staying at like a suite of my sister's husband's ex-wife, which was very uncomfortable at first. Uh, because I don't know this woman and the nature of the relationship between them. I actually don't know if it's good. I don't know what's going on. So I was very uncomfortable at first, but it was actually a great place for two people to stay. It was incredibly comfortable. And I, you know, I'm incredibly thankful they, they set that up because of how good and comfortable it was. Halfway through our trip. Okay. First thing I noticed in Japan, 90 
five to like 97% of the people you see on the streets wear a mask all the time. So on the train, shopping malls, stores, uh, walking around outside, they're wearing masks. The people who don't wear masks stand out. In Canada, it was the exact opposite. Clearly, they've given up or they think coronavirus is just over. So my daughter and I are actually coming from Japan a little nervous. Every time we go into a mall or a store, we put our masks on. I was pretty comfortable not wearing a mask outside, but you can see my daughter. She was wearing a mask even when we were outside. She was more conscientious than I was, which was good because she had just seen that me and my wife got corona, so it was a real thing that could affect you, and she didn't want to get corona and then have any sort of problem coming back to Japan. Halfway through the trip, my sister and her husband get coronavirus. And it hits, it hits uh, my brother-in-law like a train wreck. And I feel really bad for him. I was worried that somehow I had given it to them. The big concern being that my parents are in their 80s. If I have done this, I've just killed my parents. Uh, everyone's vaxxed, but it, it doesn't matter. And it affects everyone in a different way. So I had it. It was almost nothing. My wife had it. It was significantly worse than me, but it wasn't like hospital bad. She was probably actually sleeping most of the first two or three days in isolation. But my brother-in-law, he was laid up. He was in bed for like two, three days. And then my sister, she had it, but she wasn't that bad. She was just coughing. Uh, She was still able to like do stuff. But she was like, we got to stay away from you. We got to stay away from uh, the parents. Uh, Because to come back to Japan, I need to get a negative PCR test 72 hours before my flight. Now, I went online, of course, reading. This is always the biggest mistake. And it turns out that what PCR tests do is they check for DNA of the virus in your body. So they're not actually checking whether it's active. So dead virus DNA will show up as a positive. It's a false positive for sickness, but it is still technically a positive because the the virus is still in your body. Some people, they've gone up to six months showing false positives. And I was like, I am not a lucky guy I could be one of those people like two weeks later that just shows positive. And this has actually only been one, no, it's been two full weeks since I was sick. So I was super stressed out about that. Uh, I went, the area we were staying in is called Victoria. It's on Vancouver Island. There's a shortage of doctors. So I started looking for a place to get a PCR test. And they say, yes, you can make a reservation. Uh, It needs to be 60 days in advance because there are no doctors or anything. But then I eventually, quite luckily, found a clinic that does nothing but PCR tests, clearly for travelers, like myself. Uh, and then they were very quick. You make an appointment. Uh, you should, they're like very clear. Show up five minutes before your appointment. You get brought in. They check all your information. They, said, they actually even said, like you said in your email, you're going to Japan. We'll have the certificate for the Japanese government available to you. This whole time... I'm with my wife. My wife is my, like talking to my wife. My wife is arguing with the Japanese health center for our prefecture to get them to issue a certificate to the Japanese consulate in Canada that I can travel because I did my I was I did have coronavirus that was confirmed. I did do my isolation period that was confirmed. So if you issue that, they can make a special issuance a certificate that allows me to travel even if I have a positive. COVID uh, PCR test. So we get it right right away. So right on the limit of what is going to be 72 hours. Because I'm like, I want the results as quick as possible because if I can't, if I do get a positive instead of a negative, I need to start harassing the prefectural uh, health organization back in Japan 
And I need as much time as possible to do that so I can then get it to the consulate who can issue me uh, like a thing to travel. Who knows how long that takes? Governments, bureaucracies are not known for their speed of action most of the time. So I want to make sure I have let's say 70 hours if I need 70 hours. But of course, I could only get the results of the PCR test the next day because they have to. They do it in that little clinic I went to. They send it off to a lab and then they email you the results. In that period, in that 24-hour period, uh, we had gotten the certificate that if my uh, PCR test is positive, we can send it to the consulate and then they can issue a thing to let me travel. My PCR test came back negative which was a huge sigh of relief because uh, my sister, who I'd actually spent time with, with her and my daughter, at some point she had gotten coronavirus. So I was very worried that I got it again. as Not just like a leftover of the dead virus. Maybe I got it again in the time I was in Canada. I may still be so chock full of antigens that I was resistant, but I didn't want to count on that. But the, when the PCR test came back negative, it was such a huge relief. So I had stress from work because I had this thing I wanted to do. I got coronavirus, so stress from coronavirus. As soon as that was technically over, uh, the stress wasn't gone because I had to prepare for the trip to Canada. Uh, the trip to Canada was very stressful because I didn't know if I had all the documents or everything was going to be okay. I had low-key stress the whole time because I didn't know if I was going to be able to come back. So whatever. I get my negative result. I start immediately going to the... Japanese app you need to fulfill to come back to Japan. That's my SOS, which is not an inspiring name for an app for a disease during a pandemic. My SOS. Put in all the information. Uh, it gets reviewed. Now, they do a really nice thing, really simple thing. You put the information into my SOS. The screen's red. The background for all the information is red. If yours is approved, it turns green and then it turns blue. Now, there had been one mistake, and that is the PCR test company had swapped AM for PM. I went at 12.30 PM, which is the afternoon, but for them, I guess in the morning, they had just accidentally clicked AM, uh, which put me 12 hours outside my 72-hour period. Because again, like I said, I'm not lucky. Things seem to work out for me, but I would never say I was a lucky person. I tend to just overcome often my own mistakes, uh, problems that arise, these kind of things, they happen a lot in my life. I've just gotten used to like, okay, I got to barrel through this mistake or problem and try to fix it and deal with it. But that's why I was overcompensating at the beginning for all the documentation that I needed to bring to Canada. Cause I, I know I have bad luck with that bad luck. If I've done a preparation, I can overcome it. That's kind of how I've lived a huge portion of my life. We get now we're at, where are we now? Yes. Uh, my PCR test technically falls outside the 72-hour period, but my my SOS has turned green, which means it's been approved. And I was like, God damn it. So I contact the, the clinic company and I say, look, I didn't go to get my PCR test at 12.30 at night. I went at 12.30 in the afternoon. That's a PM, not an AM. I need you to reissue it. They reissued it, like I would honestly say, in hours. Uh, they clearly saw it was a mistake. It was their mistake and they reissued it. They they were really apologetic, but I was like, dude, uh, I changed my time like two, three times and you were really accommodating. I do understand this was just a mistake. I'm not actually angry about it. So I have two negative PCR reports that are 12 hours apart. But the one I put in is outside the 72 hour period. But also at the same time, I am going to carry with me another one. I can't change the one that's in my SOS. It won't let me go in and edit any of my information. 
So I'm literally, we get on the airplane, they let us travel. Now it turns out that once you start traveling, once they've let you travel, uh, it doesn't matter. They're not going to like undo it. But I don't know that. I keep, as soon as we land and I can get a cellular connection, I'm checking my phone waiting for the blue to turn back to red so that I'm not approved anymore. But it never did because once we'd started our flight, it was done. Because once you're on the airplane, maybe you get COVID on the airplane, but that's not your fault anymore and they're not going to turn you away for that. Uh, as you're walking, when you get to Japan, you they're like, do you have blue? Do you have blue on your phone? So you have to sh- just hold it up and it looks blue. And they can tell from really far away. They give you these like blue papers, completely unnecessary since you clearly already have your phone. And then you go into different lines. So if you didn't have blue, if you had yellow or red, you'd have to go to a different line. If you had your documentation, you could show it to them. That's honestly what I was expecting to do. And I would be able to explain to them, we did the PCR test. They made a, cl- a clerical error. It's actually fine. But honestly... I have never blown through immigration so quickly. It was interesting because we picked up our bags. It's me and my daughter, and we have like a giant suitcase like Japanese travels already do. I have a backpack. Uh, she has a bag, and I have another little bag. And we go up to the immigration where they're supposed to like check our bags. And they're like, do you have anything that you're not supposed to have? I was like, no. And they're like, uh, totally ready for them to check my bags. They're like, okay. And it's just you and your daughter. I was like, yeah. And I was like, all right, all right, go on. That's it. So if you want a drug mule, I think you should get a kid. <laughs> Because I think traveling with a child might make it somehow less suspicious. Then we're back in Japan. Thursday night. I get back home at 10 o'clock. I immediately take a shower, have some food, and go to bed. Because I'm getting up to work on Friday morning. And then I was back at work. And then we get to sort of like where we are now. I worked for a week. But of course, I'm still jet lagged, really. Uh, I didn't really get any days off. My Sunday, I was actually really busy. Uh, so it wasn't feel like a day off. And then I get to my first Tuesday off. Uh, I'm trying to record. I did an Ninja News Japan that was very long, but I didn't do a CMIC B because I was going to wait for today. And then today was the day everything was going to fall back into order. I was going to do a Ninja News Japan in the morning, CMIC B in the afternoon. And then everything would be back on schedule. Forgot my notebook at work last night. So there's not going to be an Ninja News Japan this week. I don't know if I should even post. I think I'm just going to ignore it and just do a long one next week and explain what happened. But I've done C. McBee and then I was like, oh, you know what? All that stuff that I didn't get to do that I wanted to do when I was in isolation where I wanted to bring my laptop, I'm going to take this opportunity. Again, it's a mistake. Turning mistakes into opportunities is what we should, what we should be doing as much as possible. I'm not able to record into New Japan. I'm going to take that time that I was going to record into New Japan work on this other project that I was going to work in isolation that I didn't get to because I gave my wife the laptop and I just took the PlayStation. And everything is back to normal. I am going to go back to judo next week. I'm actually going to try to make sure I can breathe. I haven't done anything strenuous for a month, so I don't know my stamina. I was just starting to get my stamina back not i wouldn't even say to normal judo standards but to normal human standards which is very low for judo i'm wondering if i start to like push myself if i'm going to start coughing i don't want to be coughing and make the other people in the judo club nervous so i have to start doing some exercise at home that will just push me a limit and see how my lungs are uh but i think we're on the road back to humanity for me uh the numbers in japan So before this seventh wave, maybe two, three months ago, they actually had the number down to a thousand in Tokyo, a thousand cases of coronavirus, new cases of coronavirus in Tokyo. 
And then it exploded and went up to, I think, the top because it was 25,000, 30,000. <clears> 25,000 new cases a day in Tokyo was pretty standard. Then it started, the last week it started dropping. It went uh, 30, 25, 15, and then the other day, yesterday, maybe the day before, was 9. So if they can keep that trend going, this is the thing is, the trend went down to 1,000, and I was optimistic that this was over, and then boom, it exploded. So I'm trying to be optimistic because that's just a better way to live your life and this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm also cautious that even if it hits 1,000, it could explode again with a, a, a new variant or something. Uh, the the 72-hour PCR test cost me $200 for myself, $200 for my daughter, so that's $400 for a five-minute thing. Still, I don't, um, that's not critical. I appreciate the speed that they took care of stuff, so I don't want to, like, criticize that company. They did a really good job. And I understand why it was that expensive because there was no other option. So they could have screwed me. If it was $500, I wouldn't have had a choice. I would have paid $500 for two. Down to 9,000 case, I forget now. I had one more thing to say before I finished. I just lost it. Ah, they dropped the requirement for the PCR test before you come back in 72 hours. Like two days ago. And like I came back last week. So yeah, this is it. Not lucky. I mean, I had to pay my 400 bucks and get my PCR test. Uh, but And that screwed up. But I still like powered through and managed to get through it. But of course... The week after I get back, they're like, ah, no one needs to spend four or 500 bucks on PCR tests anymore. We're just going to let people in as long as you have triple vaccination. Fine. I mean, I'm not going to dwell on that. There's nothing I can do about it. It's in, in everything worked out. My daughter had a good time, which is like, I had low key stress the entire time. My daughter had a good time. That is the only thing that matters. So hopefully next week there will be a Ninja News Japan and a CMIC I believe next week is going to be back to Alien Caveman's Ransom. Uh, we, we had just done a sexy, sexy sex scene, uh, and I'm interested to see where they pick up from there, if it's going to be all sex the whole time, but it's been very plot heavy, so I'm expecting actually a lot more plot than sex, which is good. So, that's an update on why Chunk my Beef Chest went missing for a month, and why we're back now, and how we're all just trying to get our lives back together, so... I don't know if anything I've said has been particularly inspirational, but it does show that if you just basically keep working and pushing forward, it can kind of work out.